Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. This is something this morning that we as his people need to be reminded of, need to once again confess that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We've been going through a series of messages on 2 Peter, but I thought it might be helpful and even appropriate if we interrupt that this morning that we might share a brief word, a real brief word, and encouragement and exhortation on living in our present days. We need to always be reminded, I think we do anyway, that no matter where we are, no matter what is happening, no matter what we are going through, the Lord has a word for his people. The Lord has not left his people without a witness. The Lord has not left his people without a testimony to his presence and indeed even his will. And so this morning as we gather in this place and as our brothers and and sisters who are gathering with us online and in their places, we want to remind each other again that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And no doubt, no doubt, beloved, that this has been a week like no other one. I mean, it has been literally a week unprecedented in the history of our country, if not the history of the world. As we all know that this past week, indeed, on March 11th, World Health Organization declared what most people had suspected, and that is that COVID-19, or more commonly known as the coronavirus, had become a pandemic. And pandemic simply meaning that this disease was no longer contained in any one locale, but now it had begun to spread and is spreading to most and the vast majority of the world. Historically, historically we know that that pandemics have been very serious issues causing the disruption of life and even living as we know it. And this week we were reminded that the coronavirus is And this sense is no different. No matter who you are this morning, no matter where you are this morning, the coronavirus has disrupted your world in some way. For the first time in my life, I woke up this week, and there was no athletic events to watch. There was nothing sports-related significance to read. 
Beloved, this is the first time that had ever happened in my lifetime. This morning in Georgia, the latest numbers, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is that there are 66 confirmed cases and one death, unfortunately, in the state of Georgia. The world is taking the threat of this virus seriously, and well, we should as well. Schools are closed. Major events are canceled. This week, the financial markets hit a low that it hadn't seen in over 30 years. Social distancing and even isolation is on the rise and in some quarters strongly recommended. Beloved, I am not here this morning. I don't want you to get me wrong. I am not here this morning to rehearse for you the latest scientific data on the virus. I am not here to rehearse for you again the recommended restrictions and governmental requirements in order to contain the virus. Those are readily available and much this week I know you and I have heard them over and over and over again. And much of what we do is generally understood just from the guidelines that are given to us for safety and hygiene. Wash your hands, Cough into your sleeve. Give elbow bumps. And there's also the aspect of just your own conscience, of knowing and where you are comfortable to go and what you are comfortable in doing. No, 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 I don't want to play scientist this morning. Nor do I want to play governmental head. That is not my place. However, beloved, what I do want to do real briefly is to offer you this morning and share with you an exhortation and hopefully encouragement from the Word of God. And somehow, in spite of it all, that you and I, that we might live certain lives in these uncertain times, that we will live consistent lives in these inconsistent times. How shall we live? How shall we live? In 1976, Christian theologian and apologist Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, a book in which he entitled, How Shall We Then Live? And it was a call, beloved, for Christians to examine the influences of Western thinking and Western culture in light of the Scriptures and, and thus give us a prescription, according to Dr. Schaefer, on how to live faithfully in what Schaefer saw was a faithless world. 
Well, the recent events surrounding coronavirus should have us asking the question again. How shall we then live? In light of all the uncertainty, how shall we live? With the news changing with every update of your Twitter feed or notification on your phone, how shall we live? How are we to live with uncertainty in an uncertain world? Well, beloved, we must remember that Christians are people of light and not darkness. That Christians are people of life and not death. And that we are people who live on, that we are people who fight on, that we are people who keep on and keep on believing and keep on trusting God. And, and therefore, Regardless of what is happening in our world, the first thing that we have to remember is that we live. God is not dead. He is alive. Christ is risen from the dead, and he reigns. And therefore, we, his people, we live. We are alive, and we live. And how shall we live? Well, if I might share briefly with you these five encouragements for living. And first, we live hopefully. How shall we live? We live hopefully. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. As Christians, we are in this world. We live in this world. We experience the same maladies and dangers the world experiences. Viruses and pandemics don't skip over Christian homes. Natural disasters don't stop at the doors of the church. Death and disease is common to all. Christians suffer and will suffer from the effects and the impact of COVID-19. And in suffering, Christians will grieve. And yet, God reminds us, doesn't he, that even in the suffering that is and is to come, and even in the grieving that is and is to come, our lives are not in our own hands. We belong to a good, a gracious, and sovereign God who gives his people not just faith, 
who gives his people not just love, but who gives his people hope. Hope. The medical experts and professionals, beloved, tell us that things will get worse before they get better. And so while we live trusting that there are capable men and women who are doing all they can to contain and hopefully alleviate the virus, and while we are making every effort to keep ourselves safe, our hope is not in scientists, our hope is not in governments, our hope is not even in ourselves. Our hope is in God. That's what the psalmist tells us, doesn't he, in Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why, why, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? What should you do? Hope in God. How shall we live? We live hopefully. How shall we live? Well, secondly, we live carefully. We live carefully. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, the Bible says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, as wise. Beloved, we are Christians. And as Christians, it means that we walk by faith. It means that we live by faith. But it also means that we don't live foolishly. It doesn't mean that we walk foolishly. We take precautions. We wash our hands. We use sanitizers. We listen to the recommendations of those most qualified to help us. And yet at the same time, we are not those who panic. And we are not those who walk and live in fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, God reminds us, doesn't he, that he has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, of love, of self-control. Self-control, beloved. And God expects us to operate with a soundness of mind. Expects us to operate not in fear, but with sound mind so that we may walk carefully in this world. We are careful then as Christians. We are those who are careful how we live. We are careful to what we listen. Therefore, we don't get caught up in the midst. Did you hear what I said, beloved? We are Christians who are careful where we get our information. We are careful what information we communicate and pass on. We are not given over to myths. At times like these, beloved, myths and falsehood and fake news always get attention. 
always get attention. And there are many falsehoods that are floating out there and been floating out there. And I want to warn you as Christians, be careful, the Bible says. Live carefully, not foolishly. Don't believe the lies. Careful where you get your information from. Several of them out there that's floating around, beloved. They're very pernicious and dangerous. For one, like, black people don't get coronavirus. This is foolishness. That's perpetuated by people seeking their own platforms and agendas. We are Christians. We are careful with the truth. We are careful with our lives. We live in a soundness of mind. Another one that says it only affects older people. Beloved, that is not true. There are reports already of young people have contracted coronavirus. Yes, 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 older people are more susceptible, and yes, yes, older people are more critical, and particularly those who already have pre-existing medical conditions. But don't be fooled. Just because you are healthy, just because you are strong, doesn't mean that you will not get affected and infected. We are those who are careful, beloved, Another misconception running around there is that if you wear a mask, it'll keep you from getting it. Beloved, you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. I am not saying that you shouldn't wear a mask. If you are more comfortable in wearing a mask, you wear a mask. But don't think for a moment that simply because you wear a mask, you are immune. No, beloved. Be careful how you live. Be careful to what you listen. Don't get caught up in the rumor. Don't get caught up in the innuendo. Your Facebook friends are not experts. Don't you try to be one either. Be careful what you post. Be careful what you retweet. Because we are Christians. And we live carefully. Be careful that you don't get caught up in the politicization of it all. Beloved, this is not about President Trump and the Republicans. This is not about Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders no matter what they're going to say this evening in their debate. At times like these, you and I as Christians need to be aware that political parties love to take advantage of panic in the public and therefore to win political points. But this is not about partisan politics, beloved. 
This is not about living for some biased agenda of this world, but this is about, as Christians, living faithfully and carefully for the kingdom of God. And we live without prejudice, and we live without fear, because we are careful. And at times like these, it is not helpful to go around proclaiming that you stand on the right or you stand on the left, but rather, beloved, that we stand for Jesus. Because he stands for us. Be careful. Be careful. We live hopefully and we live carefully, but we also live generously. Times like these, what shall shall we live? We live generously, beloved. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You do realize, beloved, that at times like these, the measure of faith is not what you do for yourself. It's what you're willing to do for others. There will be, there are needs all around us. And Christians are those seeking to meet need because we know that it is God, our Lord and Savior, who has met ours. And at times like these is when we truly understand what the early church was doing in Acts when it says that they had all things in common. You ever want to know what that really means? That really means in times of distress, which the church was in distress, in times of distress, they had all things in common. So what does that mean for us? That means we don't hoard necessities. We don't hoard necessities. We share. If you have necessities, remember that there, there are those around you who don't, beloved. You don't go to the store and take all of the sanitizers off the shelf. Christians don't do that. You don't go and buy up all the Clorox wipes and take them out and hoard them in your closet. Christians don't do that. We have opportunities. There'll be opportunities all around us to minister to those in need. But we have a relationship with Park Lane Elementary School right here in our community. And, and we, this week, we have spoken with the principal. And while the school is out at the moment, Lord willing, they will eventually be back in school, and they will need things. They will need sanitizer. They will need soap. They will need Kleenex. They will need sanitation wipes. And some of us have these things in spades. I know you do. Some of us have closets and shelves full. 
And if you have them, beloved, I implore you, bring them to the church. Bring them to the church so that the church might share the love of Christ with our neighbors in times of need. This is what Christians do. Give of ourselves because Christ gave of himself for us. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give of himself as a ransom. And he calls us to give as well. And so we don't hoard necessities. Another thing we don't do is that we don't stop giving then. We don't stop giving. You know, at times like these, in difficult and uncertain times, you know what the temptation is for most people, and that is to pull back on their giving. To, again, not just hoard sanitizers, but you're going to hoard all of your resources. And if you're tempted not to give as you have normally give because you are not sure what you will have. Let me remind you, beloved, that there are missionaries who still need to be supported. There are missionaries who are on the field, and they are just as anxious as you are because they know that their livelihood flows from your generosity. Be reminded, they still have to be supported. They still need to live. You need to be reminded, beloved, that the church and the pastors here at East Point Church still need to minister. They need to minister in the church, and the pastors here need to minister without the fear without the fear and anxiety, wondering is the saints going to be given like they should be given. Beloved, give. You know, Luke says, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, give and will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Beloved, don't get it twisted. This verse here is not a verse about getting rich. What this verse is teaching us is that God is saying, as you seek to faithfully meet the needs of others, God will continue to meet your needs. Even in tough times like these. When the going gets tough, beloved, Christians don't stop giving. And the reason is, is because for the Christian, giving is living. As long as we live, we give. We give. And so we live hopefully, we live carefully, we live generously, 
Fourthly, we live prayerfully. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The only thing more concerning right now than the coronavirus is the anxiety and the fear that you see and hear and feel every day. I mean, beloved, the virus is concerning. What's more concerning to me is what people do when they get overly anxious and fearful. You can't turn on the news and not get a sense of the anxiety and the worry and the fear with which people are living. And I saw a report, I saw an interview with a psychologist on CNN. And the, the questioner was asking, what do people do with their fear? How do we overcome these anxieties? How do we overcome with these fears? And I'm telling you, I listened, and that psychologist kept stumbling over what to say. And I said, I hear you, sister, because there is only one cure for anxiety, beloved, and that is prayer. Prayer. Prayer that you realize that there is someone more in control than you are. That there is someone who has a better grip on things than you and I could ever have. And so you pray. You pray for healing. You pray for a cure. You pray for our national and local medical and political leaders. Beloved, you pray for your pastors and elders. Pray, because decisions at times like these are not easy. And they come with much trembling, trepidation, and uncertainty. Pray, 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 because there is no playbook on the coronavirus. Information and circumstances change in moments. And the only help, as the psalmist says in Psalm 124 and 8, real help comes not from governmental agencies, not from medical authorities. Real help comes from the Lord. And therefore, pray for us. Pray, pray for one another. We live prayerfully. And lastly, we live Worshipfully. Philippians chapter 4. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, what does he say? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No. Rejoice in the Lord until coronavirus hits. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, in case you didn't get that, again, I say rejoice. Beloved, what is the chief end of all humanity? What is the chief end? The chief end of all humanity is to glorify God. And this is never truer than for those who have been redeemed in Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, no matter how it looks, we give God praise. We worship. The testimony of the church in difficult seasons has always been that through it all, the church never stops worshiping. Christians don't stop worshiping. The church always worships. It has always worshiped. And we are not going to stop now. We worship. We worship for better or for worse. We worship for richer or for poor. We worship in sickness and in health. We worship because not even death shall do us part from our loving Lord Jesus. We worship. Whatever the world, whatever the devil, whatever the flesh is telling you this morning, let us keep praising God. And we say like the prophet Habakkuk said, right? In Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. If you don't understand that, perhaps you can understand the songwriter when he says, I vow to praise you through the good and the bad. I'll praise you whether happy or sad. I'll praise you in all that I go through. Why? Because praise is what I do. Because I owe it all, Lord. I owe it all. I owe it all to you. And praise, beloved, is what we do. It's how we live. Worshiping, praying, giving, caring, hoping. We are those in uncertain days we live.